This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Uh, a lot to discuss. A, a lot to discuss from a very exciting, active, controversial game from the weekend. Not to mention some other goings on around Miami Dade County. Um, Two man operation tonight, uh, as it's been the last couple of weeks. So all of us, we've 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 haven't had the the triumvirate together in a little bit. We have to make that happen. Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> but but uh, it's me and Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing, buddy? I'm chilling, man. Uh, two points, two games. Uh, the two roughest games up in the front, but uh, we'll we'll get into that in a bit. But hey, at, le- at least we didn't lose one. Yeah, I think uh, my FFC fans or my FC two fans are hoping for a mullet of a season. Business in the front, front party in the back. Uh, so we've got these uh, two games down. Uh, now we're looking towards uh, a Jacksonville arrival in the next couple of days. But before we get to talk about the two legs of the Magic City Clasico. Um, you guys talked about the first game last week, obviously. Um, I had a chance to listen to that. Uh, let's talk about the second game. And, man, was it eventful. It was quite eventful. The first game at Bobcat Field uh, at St. Thomas University. Uh, a pretty nice-looking crowd, a pretty nice-looking venue. They really did a, a pretty decent job of sprucing up the joint from the preseason games. A pretty quick turnaround as well uh, to get it up and operational. I saw uh, someone we mentioned occasionally, Karthi Krishnayer, was kind of a South Florida soccer maven, uh, mentioned really that the, the club did a good job of getting things ready for that. And, and you know, Drew, you were out there uh, along with the Day Day Brigade. Um, wh- what did you see before we get into the game itself, the experience at Bobcat Field? What did you take away from it? Yeah, I was surprised how, how well together uh, Miami FC put, put that field. Uh, considering the preseason, it was just kind of a couple, two janky bleachers and uh, – you know, just a straight kind of, uh, you could literally just wander onto the field if you wanted to, but they, <laughs> I heard a little laugh there, but, um, they, they put up kind of the, the sponsorship things around the side. They put in a whole front bleachers, moved the two smaller bleachers out to the side. Um, they kind of put up, uh, barriers or stanchions around the area. They had food trucks. Uh, so they, they made it a really good experience considering, uh, what, what was going on the preseason, you know, obviously preseason, you don't want to um go that go that hard on it cuz not too many people are attending but uh for the attendance there I I'd say like it it was a great game experience I kind of actually you know I I'm a little bit crazy but I I kind of preferred it over the uh experience at um um Ricardo Silva I was going to say FIU Stadium um but you know obviously with less fans you have to cut back but they they did a great job of of putting that place together last minute for a uh a soccer Orientated field. Uh, yeah, it was really. Uh, I was able to see the uh, the, the broadcast. I was able to download it earlier today and watch some of it and, and see Bruce and Juan on the broadcast and be able to see the the full picture of it. You know, it was nice to see it. Kind of, it looked lively. You know what I mean? It looked like there was there was a, a lot of you know action there. Uh, and again, the preseason games, which are fun, and, and again, you've. Uh, some of you maybe perhaps saw some of our preseason broadcasts. 
uh, we were basically sitting along that side there, and they were, like like Drew mentioned, there were two kind of uh, okay bleachers, uh, and and that was about it. And to see it like that, it's it was it's pretty neat. Again, it's a small, intimate field. Uh, I I feel like the word of the season is considering, you know, considering the circumstances of of what kind of what the team is navigating. Uh, a pretty pretty good setup, and, and uh, you know, having been able to speak to some of the Dade Brigade members and and kind of talk with them about the situation, yeah, there are some things that are are you know not as ideal as they were, but there are a lot of things that are really quite positive about being here bobcat um the bob so yeah that that i think was interesting let's let's move into the game now uh again the second leg of the magic city classico uh the first leg at ted hendrick stadium at melander park was a 1-1 draw with a jaime chavez saving the point right at the death right in the 89th minute before the game the rest of the game was called on account of dangerous weather lightning uh this second matchup you you again especially because it was a home match you would have tipped the uh the miami fc to have the advantage yeah, I th- I think uh, in the last podcast, Omar called the game uh, being two two, and I did a three one. But uh, for the for the first twenty minutes, uh, Miami FC looked really good. Um, the counter was very solid, but then again, kind of the guy from the last game a uh, little bit haunted us. Uh, Privatira, uh, he almost had a run like identical to the first game. Where just on on the left side, he just ran up, kind of Mason fell back on him, and he had so much space. Uh, that kid has skills, but, uh, you know, opening for Miami FC, uh, Jeff, uh, what is it, Michoud, uh, had a goal. Yes. Um, but then in the 33rd minute, everything went downhill <laughs> with the Tyler Ruthven double yellow, which kind of uh, foreshadowed the rest of the game. Um it, it was a very bizarre situation. I, I feel like there were, at that point, uh, you know, Tyler had been kind of calling some stuff on, on the defensive end and kind of complaining about some calls. He, stuff wasn't going his way, and there was some some trickery or some 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 less uh, less than favorable uh, attacks or uh, I don't even know what to call it going on. But uh, you know, he he had a throw in. And uh, the the ref called him back, made him move back three feet, and he basically just dropped the ball, said some stuff, and picked up uh, two yellows in two minutes, and that completely changed the game. Uh, don't blame him though; like it, it, it seemed very bizarre. For in the first half, it seemed like the ref was just kind of uh, not to bash him too much. Well, yes, but uh, I feel like he was trying to control the game, and the 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 easiest ways to control the game were. Uh, you know, a, f- a free kick, they're saying, hey, move it back three feet, where uh, every every other play on the field, he kind of, you know, threw it up blind, where he's like, oh, I didn't see that, but he was just trying to make the easy stance on every play in the game, but uh, once those double yellows hit, uh, that's that's where kind of the game got interesting, and shouts out to uh, my man PD, the coach, uh, I, f- I feel like we finished that game out well, even though it was a draw, but uh, it was kind of very similar to Miami FC's uh, very first game at Lockhart where uh, Nesta had a coach's way out of uh, getting a red in the first half and ended up with a 1-1 draw. So uh, shouts out to him, you know, anytime you're down a man, it can go very, very south, but uh, it, was, it was fairly decent uh, showing in the second half. Um, yeah, I want to, speaking of the officiating, I want to read from Omar's recap. Uh, from Monday morning, uh, specifically about the officiating. 
because uh, it was, uh, you know, we kind of have an, an editor's group chat, uh, and uh, it was really interesting kind of discussing how to frame this. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll read from his preview. A match that should have been a celebration of the strength and resolve of soccer in South Florida was marred by questionable officiating that derailed the meeting between Miami's biggest soccer sides. Now the clubs, fans, and the city are left wondering what the result of the Magic City Classico would have been had the match not been overshadowed by an overzealous official who made himself the biggest story of the day. The match official declined to address a hard challenge on Ruthven and lost the plot when he found himself unable to bring order after a scuffle between the players. All in all, seven yellow cards and four red cards were handed out over 90 minutes, the highest ever in a contested Miami FC or Miami FC 2 match. I, I, I want to read the bookings. Because again, it's really kind of jarring. They're really bunched up. There's, there's a period right before minute 30 until minute 40. There's a period between minute 65 and 75, and then obviously the 90-minute the session. You have 29-minute Navarro yellow, 33-minute Ruthven yellow, 33-minute Ruthven second yellow. 40-minute Gorbasov, yellow, Miami United. Then you get 66, 67, 75. Obergon, Gonzalez, smart. That went Miami United, Miami FC2, Miami FC2. And then the 90 plus 2, you have Martin of Miami United, you're out. Pierre, 90 plus 2, you're out, Miami United. And then Dylan Mars, Casablanca with the red card as well. Uh, it, it seems to me the, the officiating... Uh, officials have a tough job, and so I'm never one to be like, oh, this guy sucks, he's terrible, you know, put me in the supporters and uh, maybe I'll say something different. But when we're actually talking and, and, and trying to, to, to discuss it in a, a professional manner, I'm never one to take the referee and, and just take him back behind the woodshed and beat him up. You, you know, it's tough. But, man, I can't recall the last time there was a match that had this kind of the the level of booking here, and again, Drew, you got a, You got a really a, a field level view of it. W- would you say it was it was that kind of rough and tumble? Would you say that? Would you say? I mean, would you agree with Omar's conclusion that it was a little bit overzealous? I I, th- I think it just got a little bit out of control for him, and like like I was saying earlier, he just didn't know where to call stuff or when to call stuff. But I think we also kind of alluded to this early in the year that we would drop points or maybe lose some points over some sketchy officiating. You know, obviously, I don't think Ruthven should have been uh, thrown out of the game on that on that double yellow. Like that seemed a bit ridiculous. But there was also a lot of stuff earlier in that game that could have been called. Um, at some point, I feel like it just got out of hand, and then the cards escalated, and he was trying to prevent prevent something crazy from happening, um, like that ninety. Uh, what was it? The 90th minute scuffle where we got more players thrown out. But um, I, you know, you got to look at Miami FC, and as as much as we present ourselves as the uh, professional club or the the more professional club of the bunch, like Dylan Mares and other people can't lose their head in situations like that. I think when Ruthen got thrown out, uh, Vega ran up and just went kind of bananas at the ref, and he got a yellow himself. And you know, a couple of teammates had to peel him pull him back from the from the scuffle but it's like if if you're the if, uh i guess i guess <laughs> take the higher ground you know it's like we have to uh Miami FC has to play Jacksonville next and it's like okay like Mars is out Ruthen's out like you're you're just hurting yourself down down the run and uh considering you played two games and got two points off of them that that hurts in the long run so maybe it uh comes down a bit to the players and the coaching but you know this uh this is the MPSL uh, you know, we don't have pro refs anymore, and even last year, I think we complained a decent amount about pro ref, pro refereeing, and you know, this is a this is a level below it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, 
I have to tell you, it was very illuminating to kind of see the reaction, the social media reaction, the chat reaction, the to the game and how it developed. Because I, I don't think, I mean, again, like I said, if you're in the supporters' end, you're going to be saying some things to the ref. You know, they're blind and they're deaf, et cetera, et cetera. We've all heard it before, but that's that's part and parcel for watching a game and being a supporter. But man, there there were some reactions that people were just befuddled. They couldn't understand it, and there were even some some Miami United reactions as well. And, and this was not a one sided thing. And, and again, it's not to, to to really pile on the the head official or any of the assistant officials there. But it was just it was you don't see that very often. Where just everyone was kind of in agreement that they weren't in agreement about the game. Um, so we have two games. 180 minutes, that's math adds up, right? Yes, 180 minutes. Um, and you've got 2-2. Two, two. The the, uh, the cup, the Magic City Cup, uh, it remains in storage, presumably, because um, there's no holder yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll see that revealed maybe in an open cup. Yeah, we're cup. saving that for the open cup, and uh, yeah, we're going to rename it a bowl. It's got to be a bowl game. Yes, I, th- I, like I think it. it's going like to be the it. Croquetta Bowl. I, I love it. As a reminder, the Magic City Cup brought to you by Magic City Soccer. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the best uh, advertising deal we ever did. Um, <laughs> no, no money changed hands. Um, so uh, you, you've got these two games. I think if if you have to, if you had to pick, you know, like kind of a, doing like a political show, winners and losers. You know, like even though there's not really a winner, we had two draws. But if you had to pick a winner, I I think if you're if you're Roberto Saka and Miami United, you have to be pretty pleased with the result to get the 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 result at home where you were clearly you know in the lead, even though it wound up being a draw. You gave up the goal at the end, which hurts. But you were you were clearly kind of pushing the issue. You come to visit at Bobcat Field, and you get another result. Um, I think that's pretty good business for him. Yeah, I, I think we were saying in the the first pod podcast too like that that first game probably should have been called for lightning or weather conditions or something like that where Miami United really had a chance to win that game but uh you know Miami FC scored that late equalizer but then to get the blessing of uh the the red card very early on well you know midway through the midway through the first half in this game uh for Miami United being away you know they they could have came out with they could have came out with three points there. You know they kind of slacked a little, but uh, I think a lot of people were choosing Miami FC. I chose Miami FC to take that game. So uh, I think in the preseason, if we all relooked at everything and said, "Hey, we're gonna play our first two games against Miami United," they're gonna be both one-one draws. I think ninety percent of the people listening to this or or fans of either team would say, "Nah, I think you know." Miami FC is gonna kind of take a take a point at least one of the games, so it's a big deal. And uh, without previewing uh, the schedule too much, I mean Miami's next game is home against uh, Jacksonville Armada. And as I was saying earlier, like we have players missing, Ruthven's gonna be gone, and um, Queso Blanco is gonna be out for that, which is a big deal. Uh, you know, we don't Miami FC don't really know what uh, Jacksonville have in store. You know, they kind of have a, a redone roster, so. Uh, it could be a big tipping point in in uh, Miami FC's quest to win the Sunshine Conference. Yeah, you know, I think there are two important like points to address here. 
regarding that Jacksonville game. First off, as you mentioned, the loss of, of key players. One of the strengths that Miami FC 2 has is squad depth. And basically, the kind of seeding that and, and having a couple of your key performers on the bench, that hurts. Uh, the second thing to mention is that, again, not to get too ahead of ourselves, because we may have gotten ahead of ourselves already, but you would presume that in this league, the, the, the heavy hitters, Miami FC 2, Miami United, Jacksonville. That, that's, again, no, no short shrift to Naples or Boca or, uh, or uh, Palm Beach or Swarm, uh, Storm. Um, but you would presume that, you know, the, the team that has, the only team that's still in existence that has ever won the conference uh, the, and the two former NASL sides would be who you would presume to win. And so these games against Miami United and Jacksonville for Miami FC and for Miami United against Miami FC 2 and, and Jacksonville, they're high leverage games because basically you, you, you've got to win the other games. And you've got to kind of assume you're going to win. And and are you going to drop points occasionally? Of course. But th- th- there's kind of a dual, you know, system going on here. And when you're playing Jacksonville or or Miami United or Miami FC 2, they're kind of six-pointers where you're, you're looking to deny them the three and claim the three for yourself because the positioning in the table at the end of the season is going to be so important. It's, you know, it's a matter of positioning the table. So I, I really think that th- this game against Jacksonville, you don't want to start the season – if you're Miami FC2, if you want to really push strong at the end of the year, I don't think you want to start the season with three draws against these sides. Yeah, and part of that other thing, too, is like, so there's only three teams in this league that are pro or pro-M, and it's Jacksonville, Miami United, and Miami FC. Yeah. So just based off that alone, you would expect one of the three of them to win, but... Uh, also, last year, how the MPSL worked out, the Sunshine Conference only got one playoff spot, which ended up being the uh, Open Cup spot. So I, I know Jacksonville is going to be very thirsty or very excited to get that spot because, you know, there, there's there's going to be no lawsuits <laughs> <laughs> for any team getting getting themselves a spot. So, you know, it's it really comes down to Jacksonville, Miami, and Miami United probably will all be duking it out uh if if the playoff uh if the playoff fixture stays the same in the MPSL so uh i mean all of all of them have a big point to prove so uh it's going to be crazy like yeah like and that's the other thing too like any of these smaller teams like okay let's say uh Miami United is playing Naples uh, i believe next week but let's say uh Miami United gets our early red and uh Naples you know, steals three points off of them like that. That's that could potentially put them out of the playoff race right off the bat. Like, yeah, it's kind of an insane scenario, and it 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 kind of stinks that we played the first two games against our toughest opponent. We've been saying that for a while, but that the rest of the league hasn't played, so there's no motivation to say, "Hey, look at that!" Like, we need to chase that. You know? Yeah. It's... Obviously, like Boca or Storm might beat Miami United. You know one weekend later and storm could run the conference <laughs> like right go, going into game number one for them so it's 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 crazy yeah it's it's i think that i mean we're getting way 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 ahead of ourselves you know but it's still it's an interesting it's an interesting issue where if you keep on grinding out draws if you're miami fc2 or 
really for any of these top tier teams, you leave yourself vulnerable uh, to to dropping those points again, like you said, against the kind of lower level competition. You don't want to ever dismiss anyone out of hand, but you know, you, you would you presume that those three teams that you identify the teams with professionals on them should by all means have an advantage. So. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't even saying, like, dropping points. I'm just saying, like, now I think I think Jacksonville has the ultimate motivation right now to where they can look at the league and say, hey, if we can go to Miami and beat Miami FC, like, we're going to get three points right off the bat. And that's their third game, and that's our first game. So they're already, you know, two points up, and they've only played one game. And they're going to kind of play maybe the easier teams in the league. Sorry, guys, but... Um. Yeah, it, it's just a weird scenario playing those first two games and drawing both of them. Yeah, it's 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 the the kind of shortish nature of the season really does, and especially how the schedule was set up, where these two Miami derbies are are back to back. You've now baked in a good amount of the season uh, for both those squads, and so like you said, if Jacksonville comes down here, steals three points. And now Miami FC have a hill to climb, you know, because Miami United haven't played Jacksonville yet, and they're presumably going to get a win. And then Jacksonville has this really big advantage that now the only way you kind of fix it is by traveling up there and and beating them on the road, which is legit. You know, this is the first legitimate road opponent Miami FC 2 is playing. Miami United, they're a road opponent, but they had to, you know, drive up the 826 for 15 minutes. Jacksonville coming in, they're taking, you know, they're coming down here a few hours. There, there could be an effect there, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, a lot of a lot of schedule talk here, but yeah, it's, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this could be problematic. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Jacksonville to look forward to um, this Saturday, yes, or is it Sunday? Yes, Saturday. Yes. You're Saturday, yeah. Saturday. Should have gone my gut. Saturday, seven p.m. Bobcat Field at St. Thomas University. T- wow. wow. Uh, tickets are on sale. Obviously, go to MiamiFC.com. Um, Open Cup quickly approaching. We'll talk more about that next week, but it's fun to see that on the little calendar there. FC Miami City, uh, that game taking place at Tropical Park. There was a rescheduled game for the Miami FC 2. Their game against Naples United uh, was moved. Oh, where the heck is it? I literally just had the darn thing. Uh, was moved to the end, the back end of the season. Uh, that I think it was June or July. July third, seven p.m. That'll be at the Bobcat. And now there is basically a home and away arrangement with Naples, uh, Miami FC two, traveling to Naples to Lely High School on June twenty seventh, seven p.m. And now that home game, which should have been normally uh, next week, uh, will take place on July third at seven p.m. at home. So. Um, Looking, uh, looking ahead, kind of bigger picture, Drew, with this this kind of open cup blooming. How how much of your Miami FC do you throw into this game Saturday? I know you're not obviously not going to like treat it as an afterthought because it's a really important league game, but you do have this kind of this balance here uh, where you're playing a, a a pretty good side for your quote unquote opening game in the open cup. You know, you're, you're not playing you're. you're you're not playing again. Not to Red Force is a very good squad for their level of competition, but FC Miami City are uh, would presumably be a bit better. You you would you would assume. Uh, so what what do you think if you were in charge? If you're Paul Dalglish, uh, what do you think you're doing? How do you think you're approaching Saturday with that Open Cup game in mind? 
Well, I think I think prior to that, the Jacksonville game, you gotta you gotta run with the guns, man. You gotta throw Vincenzo Ranella out there, uh, especially since uh, you got a couple, you know, Ruthven and uh, uh, what's his name, Queso Blanco suspended. Uh, but I feel like for the Open Cup, like especially with Miami FC, they have to throw out everything. Like I I feel like. Uh, FC Miami City is the tougher opponent than Red Force. Sorry, Red Force, I love you guys, but <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and FC Miami City, I know they kind of it's the PDL, so kind of every year their roster rewashes. Uh, they only have a couple guys from last year, and they've they have a little bit of a, a visa and issue with getting players onto it. But I feel like you just have to go all out on that, and maybe just kind of blow the league to the back but if if they really want to do this statement uh they're, they're gonna have to come all out because at the same time uh Miami FC technically is playing a two team you know they're fielding a two team and if you truly want to say next year you have a one team then you're gonna have to come out and say your two team beat these NPSL teams because or sorry uh, uh PDL teams because if you can't beat a PDL team come on man yeah <laughs> like and it does some disservice to the MPSL, but at the same time, if you don't field another team the next year, then you're just kind of lost in the sauce of uh, lower division soccer. But um, I mean, it's a, it's a tough opponent, man. Like if, if the Red Force were first, I would have felt a lot more <laughs> confident. <laughs> like Red Force came out on top. What's that? Yes, no, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. we discussed it a little bit, but yeah, the the, the system that the U.S. Soccer Federation and the Open Cup Committee put together. I, I understand why they did it, but, man, it really sucks for FC Miami. And it would have sucked for Miami United had they been the team that were, that were drawn. Basically, Red Force were protected, and I'm, I'm kind of glad they were because of the way in which they qualified, but it's long. Why, why are we going to burrow down into that, uh, down that, that hole again? It's already been set and, and scheduled. So, um, So Miami FC... Two, looking ahead to Jacksonville. You've got this Open Cup game where you're going to start seeing Miami teams play against Miami teams. Very exciting. Uh, you guys talked about the International Champions Cup uh, being approved and being sent for it's, Miami last it's week. It's dead to me. It's, it's dead, dead to me. you, I know. Arsenal, look, I'm, yeah, I'm right yeah. there in the same boat. I'm going to have to fly a 1,000 miles to, to see my team this summer. Um, well, Manchester United, again, just waltz in the town. No big deal. Um and Real Madrid too. They're just setting up a residency here, um, so uh, there, there's so much going on. The discussion about uh, the Miami football, Miami MLS stadium, possibly going to Doral. Is that a smokescreen? Is that the real deal? Is the Pepsi plan on the Palmetto going to become a stadium for soccer? Uh, there's just there's a lot bubbling up around here. What what story are you kind of keeping your eye on? Uh, over the next couple of weeks, so aside from Miami FC two, what what do you have your what do you have your focus on in the soccer world around here? Oh, I'm I'm really looking at like you said the the Beckham thing. Like it's 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 interesting. Like I I feel like they almost kind of deceived MLS. Like I, I don't want to sound too negative on it, but I I really thought Overtown would be the site, and now they're kind of uh, flip flopping or going around on it, but. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Doral thing, um, but it, it's it's an interest it's an interesting aspect. Um, 
you know, like, I, f- I feel like Doral, there's just so much traffic. Where are you going to go? And the Moss Brothers kind of have this Miami connection. So, um, it, it is what it is, man. Uh, that that team really just, basically, here's where that team needs to go. They just need to come out with a timeline. Like, before they announce the stadium site, they need to basically just say, hey, here's our team name in the next three months or six months or whenever they plan to play. But they need to come out with a map and just keep people engaged because the biggest problem with them and Southern Legion and MLS is just there's no information. There's no information coming from down top. It's it's and, that, and that's why everybody questions them. It's very. Bizarre. I've literally had two people in the last week or so ask me, "So is that Beckham thing happening or not?" Uh, and my my answer. Oh yeah, that that's that's been me for yeah. the past six years. And my answer is always, "I think so." I'm pretty sure, uh, but I can't give a definitive answer, and that's a really bad sign for, for a, you know, a going concern, Lee. Um But the next question after that is where, and it's like, Whoa. yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got me. It's it's Miami. It's the most. It's one of the most Miami things of all time. This whole yeah. development. I. How big is your backyard? Yeah, uh, Drew. I, <laughs> I would say your your idea of they need to come out with a team name. Um, I would go one further and say they need to come out with everything. The, the next, yeah. the next time they come out, uh, you can't blow your load. You, they need, they need a timeline because they still have uh, probably two or three years to burn. So the, the problem it, is though that I don't think people are going to trust them unless they get like they they need a hard a hard timeline where like okay if they don't announce it they're going to be like okay on this date six months from now. We're going to reveal the colors on this date a year from now. We're going to, they need to marry themselves to an actual timeline because if they, I mean, for as much as they've already lost trust in terms of you know believing that this was done or not, um, they can't keep on going back to this well where they drag David Beckham out in front of us, you know, a group of people, and they say soccer's coming back to Miami, and then it doesn't materialize. You know, if if you wanted to really convince people that it was happening. Why aren't you opening it or, or like really committing, figuring out your youth academy now? Why, why don't you get that going? Why, why don't you, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's no tangible hook anywhere in the community. People don't have anything to look to to say, oh, this is happening besides David Beckham popping his head up every couple of months. And I understand. Lord knows. I have covered a very teeny, teeny, tiny amount of Miami-Dade County and city of Miami politics in my years. It's the smallest amount. And I know it is among the hardest things to deal with. If you're trying to report on it, now try to actually navigate it. It sucks. But people just don't believe you. You're beca- you you've become a punchline. You've become a punchline in the soccer world. And that's the last thing that this thing was supposed to become. This was supposed to be the premier team this was supposed to be the you know the galacticos of mls the the thing that's sweet the 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 behemoth sweeping onto the scene and conquering mls um because of the name power because of the location because of everything and now i mean we're we're heading into year five we're in year five and all we've had is two press conferences and now we we don't even have a stadium search the search is just expanding they're both almost the sort of same press conference yeah that's the yeah and and it's just it just seems like it, we're get, we're not we're not only spinning our wheels but that the wheels are just throwing up more and more mud to make it more confusing. If this if this stadium is in Doral, fine. Okay. If the stadium is at Melrose, 
fine. If they go back to Overtown, fine. Okay, all, all those locations have advantages and disadvantages. The Mel Reese Stadium, it's not in downtown. It's not really anywhere because it's next to the airport, but it's super connected to public transportation. The stadium in Doral, it's not in downtown, but it's right along the A26, and a lot of people from a lot of different places could access it. The stadium in Overtown, uh, it doesn't have parking, but it's more public transportation friendly, and it is in downtown. Just freaking pick one. Just figure out what you're going to do. And get Don't forget it. Forget about Hylia, bro. Yeah, Hylia Park. Fine, fine. Pick one, pick one, and go with it because people are tired of being jerked around. I know it sounds easy from this side to be like, just pick one. I know they're trying to pick one, but whatever the 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 Moss brothers are doing in terms of their search because they want to develop this and that and create this kind of entertainment district or whatever. Okay, well you're you're tired. Your clock is ticking. Okay, the Moss brothers were the one to save this bit apparently, but. In their pursuit of trying to find the perfect place, they're going to wind up ruining it because people are just going to be done with it. They don't believe in it. And the only thing you have when you're an expansion team is belief. Like that's the only currency you can traffic in is the idea that people believe in you and that it will come to fruition and that one day they'll be champions or one day they'll be in a full stadium and be able to experience that. And people don't believe that's going to happen here, not to mention around the country where people think it's never going to happen. And it, and that's been the the going belief for basically three years. But even people here who should be your backbone don't believe it's going to happen. So there has to be something to hook on to. Colors, team name, what, a, a building, an office where they can go and ask about season tickets or something. There is nothing. There is nothing. And it just... The longer it goes on, the more you believe that you've been engaged in one of the longest-running, like, confidence jobs of all time. And it sucks. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm not and, accusing and them. even when you're choosing the stadium site, like, you could still release that other information. But that that's the other frustrating thing where it's like, is that how much thought you put into this where it's like, oh, we're announcing the team, by the way, we may be changing the stadium a week after we announced the team with Don Garber, and that's what took us three years, but we still don't have any uh, relative information for you. It's like, uh, you know, after that last announcement, I was like, that was like the first announcement where they literally said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they literally said nothing. You know, except this time, it was the, the first announcement was like, we're getting an MLS team. By the way, it's not official, although the MLS commissioner is here. Uh, and this time it was like, now it's official. The MLS commissioner is still here, but now it's official. We don't know where we're playing. We don't have anything else to tell you, but it's official. And it's like, yeah, play wherever you want to fucking play, but like, at least say a team name, colors, anything. I, I think that it was such a letdown. Yeah, and it just it, it, it seems like Groundhog Day, where the same thing is just happening over and over and over again. I hope I'm wrong. God knows, I hope I'm wrong. So while we have your uh, hopes down in the gutter and we just super depressed you, uh, I think we're done with this podcast, right? <laughs> I, I, I do want to say, considering if Omar were here, I would be uh, coming up. Uh, very excited for tomorrow. Very excited for the first leg of the Champions League. Or I guess it'll be today when you hear it, or it may have already happened and I look a fool. But um, Roma and Liverpool playing in the Champions League just seems right, historically. It's been... Uh, too long. Never and... heard of that tournament. <laughs> hey, you, you're going to pick up a, a European trophy for Arson in his final season. By the way, we didn't really talk about that. Arson out. Yeah, uh, Wenger out. Wenger out. Get involved, man. So, yeah, what what are your reflections on the two decades-long career of, of the Frenchman? Brilliant start. Horrible finish. He could have kept going. 
I want to see who they replace him with, though. I'm skeptical. I want him out, but there's so been... It's just a fucking... Uh, sorry for cursing. Uh, there's just been a horrible recycling of all these coaches and stuff and the top four, top six uh, Premier League teams. And I, I hope they do something new and creative that uh, blows everybody's minds. I expect to see a lot less French players on our team <laughs> in the next few <laughs> years. But Hey, maybe not if you get Patrick Vieira. Oh, no. <laughs> if that happens, I'm going to jump off a bridge. <laughs> I think uh, I've always... You can't even coach an MLS team into half-decent success. <laughs> so I, if if that one happens, I'm going to just crap myself. <laughs> I've always had great admiration for him. Uh, I, I never, you know, I, I really started following the Premier League like in 2005, 2006, and that was right around the time that Arsenal were were kind of coming off their absolute dominance of things, but but we're still a tremendous force and always in the in the run of things. And you know, every other team that were really good, you know, Chelsea, Manchester, United, um, and that was the top four. That that was the good old days when Arsenal, Liverpool, Man U, and Chelsea were the top four. And and I always hated Manchester United. I always hated Jose Mourinho and Chelsea, but I never could get that mad against Arsenal, even when the 4-4 game, when a fucking, uh, now I know I curse too, uh, what was it, was it, um, <laughs> who had the four goals, or, or the hat trick, was it Arshevin? Perhaps, yeah, perhaps, but, I don't know, I'm just, I'm more concerned with your Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping, but even in those those big games, uh, I, I still remember, I think it was a Champions League quarterfinal, um, where the second leg was at Anfield and there was this huge, there were two goals like back and forth and every game was good. Every game was always good and fun and and it's unfortunate that the last five years or so that kind of fun has left the Arsenal side. Um, I'm interested to see how they move forward too because I don't know how much ownership is going to really allow much to change. I don't know how much of it is Arsenal's fault. Some of it is, but I don't know how much of it is truly squarely on his shoulders so i'm i'm i yeah they're 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 just crunkied out and that relays back into american sports like that's a super sports like franchise ownership now so it's very bizarre uh, i i i think carmelo anthony might uh invest in the team next year because uh he's done with uh i was gonna say the islanders what was the last nasl puerto rico team? oh puerto rico oh, fc yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the Islanders. But. Those were the days. Those oh. were the days. Sorry. Um, yeah, so interesting times around. I, he's still, you know he's going to win the Europa League. You know it's going to happen. It's just the perfect uh, button on everything in both good ways and bad ways. Just everything. Oh, now we got Diego Costa against Arsenal again. That's a classic scrapper. Yes, that man. is a, really a clash of styles if ever there were one. If there's no red cards in that one, like, <laughs> ooh. So, I'll take I'll take Louis Van Gaal at Arsenal. I actually think that would be not the worst idea. I, I think that Van Gaal was kind of destined to fail at, at Man United. Uh, I, I don't don't think it was ever a good pairing. I think it actually could work at Arsenal. Um, I feel like I feel like Van Gaal needs like two or three years to get in his shit, and he needs to get all his like uh, what is it Dutch Dutch yeah. players over. Yeah, it's it's the end of the French players at Arsenal. <laughs> Changing of the times, changing of the times. Yeah, every every coach brings over their national players, and that's where they scout and everything. But uh, Lacazette, I love him, but eh. 
I hate talking about this right now. Let's just end okay. This let's wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, until next time. Oh, uh, quick thing. Um, keep an eye on the website today, the twenty fourth. Um, if you've been kicking around the website, you may have already gotten a sneak peek of uh, what I'm talking about. But there'll be a really interesting uh, Magic City Soccer wearable souvenir uh, thing shirt, basically, um, available. It, it's already kind of available, <laughs> soft release, but the the actual release of it is going to be today. Um, I think you're going to like it. I like it. I wore it around the other day. Um, I think it's a really great design. I think if you like soccer, if you like Miami, it'll be right up your alley. Um, visit us on YouTube, uh, Facebook's Magic City Soccer, Twitter's Magic City Soccer, Instagram is Magic City Sock, S-O-C, um, our website, magiccity.soccer, um, our, our Friendster account, no, I'm kidding. Uh, basically, if it's an active social media concern, you can find us there as well as our website. Um, I'm at Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. Drew, you are at? It's Houseman LOL. It's Houseman LOL. Uh, and so, until next time, Drew, good talking to you, buddy. Hell yeah. Come on, Miami. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's pick up the pace. Let's get some wins for both Miami United and Miami FC this this week. How about them apples? Two... Now we now we can kind of go back to our like not really rooting against uh, Miami United situation. We want Miami to to always be at the top of the table and everything. Um, we can go so, back to hating Jacksonville. Yes, yeah, so, I mean we can all agree on that. Okay, we can all agree on that. Fred Durst um, came out of there, so if you hate Limp Biscuit or you love Limp Biscuit but you secretly hate them, <laughs> come on, guys. I think in in for Jacksonville hate week, I'm going to go back and read a bunch of Tony Kornheiser columns from the Super Bowl in Jacksonville where he basically spent the whole week in the Washington Post just dumping on the city and saying how awful it was. So I think that'll be a productive use of my time. Um, so until next time, and by the way, if, uh, again, when I mentioned foreshadowing, take a look at the number of this episode and take a look at what the number of the next episode might be uh, for a preview of some fun we might have next time. Until next time, go Miami FC, go Miami United, go Red Force, go FC Miami City, and go Miami Soccer. Shouts out to FC Kendall. Uh, whoop whoop. And Hillbilly FC. Oh yeah, shouts out Hillbilly FC for sure. <laughs> they're they're gonna they're gonna take it all the way this year. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs>